So there you have your second uh, college course in uh, Genesis and how it all began and, and how the world began. Uh, kind of gives us this backdrop, backdrop to the story of the Bible and how astonishing God is. That's what the Bible is, the revelation of who God is, what he's all about, what he loves, what motivates him. We got started with the, that last week. Before I jump into that, uh, I want to share a quick story with you. <clears throat> so this, uh, this Friday and Saturday, Lori and I got to go for a, a long drive. It was beautiful. Uh, we actually drove up to uh, Vermont and uh, back down, and, and it was just gorgeous. It was unbelievable. It was warm, and the, the, the leaves are turning green, and we got to have a lot of great conversation but it reminded me of all of the times that it, my trips were not astonishing. They, I, I was not astonished, even though I may have seen more astonishing things. Even though I may have had the opportunity to have incredible conversation with my beautiful wife. Even though I had seen <clears throat> rolling hills and, and, and giant bridges and all the different things I've seen because there are so many times that on my trip, before we left, Lori had to have the house clean. And one of our long-term fights in our, in our marriage, one of the things that just frustrates the daylights out of me is she has an inner code that says, before we leave on any trip, the, the house has to be completely clean, which makes no sense to me. We're not going to be there. Why does it have to be clean? But it does have to be clean. And so I would help, and, and no matter how much it seemed that we would clean, she had to go a little further, and that made us late to leave, and it created all kinds of trouble inside my heart, and so I would be totally focused on me as the center of the world. At that moment, I'm just focused on me as the center of the world, and, and you know what happens to us or me? When I'm focused on me, nothing is astonishing. I'm just so frustrated. I'm so irritated. I want her to apologize. and I want this to change. And I want the world to change around me. And so I totally miss what's going on out there. I bet the same happens to you. I bet that God has been astonishing to you. And he has revealed himself to you in creation, but you've missed it. Why? Because you're focused on you. How about your marriage? I, I bet you're married to the most beautiful woman, not as beautiful as Lori, but close. And, and she's, she's, she's beautiful. You were so attracted to her, but somewhere along the way you lost the beauty of it all, because you're focused on you. If children, I've watched this with children, parents with children, they, they're so amazed with that child when they're born, but as the years go by, somehow something happens in the child. The parent is somehow focused on themselves, and they lose the beauty of it, or your, your friendships or your career, and there's all these different areas of life. You know why? Because when I'm the center of the world, all I have to look at is me, and I'm not very astonishing. You have to look out for that to happen. So I have a question for you. How do you change that? I, I struggle with that. 
I bet you do too. How do you change the fact that you so naturally make yourself the center of the universe? You're the center of the world. It is about you. Well, we're going we're gonna to take a look at God today. And we're going to start with, we're going to ask three simple questions. Um, <clears throat> and as we do, actually before I jump into those questions, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to go back to last week a little bit, take a look at that passage. And the very next passage really relates to what we're going to talk about today. For although they knew God, remember we discovered that the way that we know God, the way God reveals himself to us, most foundationally is creation. You just walk into creation and, and you see, whoa, somebody amazing had to have created this. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks. Those two things, and when we don't do those two things, something happens to us. Our thinking becomes futile. Our brain doesn't work anymore. We, in life, are able to add 1 plus 1 and come up with 17. It doesn't work. And their foolish hearts are darkened. Our ability to relate to one another, our hearts, our, our, our spirits, have, have, are, they cannot connect the way they should with other people or with God. The next verse, and that's the one we're going to talk about today, goes on to say, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Even though they saw themselves as wise, the center, they became fools. And this is how. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God, and that's what we're going to talk about today, God's glory. It's as we do this, you're going to have to jump in and strap in, and you're going, to have to in, you're going to have to engage with your brain and your heart because God's glory is so huge and fantastic, and it's not as, it is concrete, but it comes in so many different forms and fashions, it can, it can be a little confusing, and so you've got to jump in here with us. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God. His amazing character, his amazing beauty, his amazing wisdom, something to be worshipped, something to glorify, something to look at and go, oh my goodness, incredible. I'm astonished by that. I'm going to follow that. I'm going to give to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be around it. They, they exchanged the, that of the immortal God for images, false images. Made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Super simple. You see this everywhere. You see it throughout all of mankind. This was written almost 2,000 years ago. And so <clears throat> uh, idol worship in the form of actual idols was very popular. But it's just as popular as today. So instead of God being the thing that you would glorify, we made men what we would glorify. I'm going to follow men. I'm going to worship men. I'm going to, and oftentimes that's us. We put ourselves right there in the middle. In animals and birds and images, we build something with our own hands and then we worship that thing. What happens then? The opposite of astonishing. What happens then is war. What happens then is boring. It is Always, always searching, always looking for something that will satisfy, but it just never does. 
So here's the question we're going to ask. This glory of God, the real glory of God, where do, where do we find it? And, what, and we're going to begin with this one of three questions. Why did God create the earth? Why did God create the earth? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What was he thinking? What did he do it for? Well, here's the answer. To glorify himself. We're going to read from uh, this book again called Astonished by, uh, Astonished by God. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to read from page uh, 28. Created for his glory. When the first chapter of the Bible says, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. What is the point? The point of the image is to image. Images are formed to express something about the original. Point to the original. Glorify the original. God made humans in his image so that the world would be filled with reflections of God. Images of God. Many billions of statues of God so that nobody would miss the point of creation, the point of humanity, knowing, loving, and showing God. The angels cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This earth is full of divine image bearers, glorious, glorious ruins. And not only humans, but also nature. Why such a breathtaking world for us to live in? Why such a vast universe? I read once where there are more stars in the universe than there are words and sounds that all humans of all times have ever spoken. Why? Why? Did you ever wonder that? Matter of fact, people do it all the time. They're like, look, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. It's ridiculous to have something this huge just for us little humans on earth. The Bible is crystal clear about this. The heavens declare the glory of God. Someone may ask, if earth is the only inhabited planet and man the only rational inhabitant among the stars, why such a large, empty universe? The answer is because it's not about us, it's about God. And that's an understatement. God created us to know him and love him and show him. And then he gave us a hint of what he is like. That hint is the universe. The universe is declaring the glory of God, and the reason we exist is to see it and to be stunned by it and glorify God because of it. The reason that God created the universe is for his glory, to be able to demonstrate, to reveal who he is and how amazing, incredible that he really is. Now we're going to work through a couple, couple passages. I just want to establish that the answer to this question is, why did God create the earth? Is to glorify himself. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory, it says in Isaiah. That is angels in the around God, and that's, they're singing this over and over again to be able to say, hey, look, look at it. What's it for? It's to glorify God, to show how amazing he truly is. The heavens declare the glory of God. We got to, uh, we got to, to in, we were actually in Vermont when the sun went down and the stars came up. Wow. When we live here, we always forget there's stars out there. 
There's a lot of stars out there, and they go forever. We talked about this last week. We don't know where it ends. And if you just look at it long enough and realize what's there, you're like, this is, you've got to give God glory. You've got to go, whoa, who could possibly create all of this? So God created mankind in his own image, right? Why did he create? Why did he create humans? In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them, like, like he said in the book, he created them to reflect God's image. Not to be little gods, but to reflect, to show, to demonstrate the glory of God. In the Isaiah 43, it says, I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and who I made. He says it point blank. The reason I created, and this is talking about the nation of Israel, but it goes back all the way to Adam and Eve. The reason I created mankind is for my own glory. Now, the next one here, boy, you're really going to have to hang on with this one. This one's going to make you mad. There's a really good chance. As we work through this next principle, it's going to make you mad. Please, don't tune out until we get past this to the third one as you see the completion of it. Why does God love people? Why does God love people? Now, I want to be crystal clear about this. I hear this all the time and so do you. God loves you because you were created in his image. And and the message there is there's a little bit of God in you. That's why he created you. There is no verse that says that. There's this wanting. There's just something about this. You're like, okay, there's something about you. There's something so special about you that would cause God to love you. There's just no Bible passage to back that up. Why does he love you? Well, the answer is to protect his glory. Why does God love his people? It's to protect his glory. Now, as we jump into this, let's go a little bit further into the definition of God's glory. What does glorify mean? God created the world that he may be glorified. This does not mean that he may be made glorious. Don't don't take glorify and treat it like beautify. Beautify means to take a plain room, for example, and make it beautiful. We don't take a plain God and make him beautiful. That is not what glorify God means. When When God created the world, he did not cause... He did not create out of any need or weakness or deficiency. He created out of a fullness and strength and complete sufficiency. As Jonathan Edwards said, "'Tis no argument of the emptiness or the deficiency of a fountain that is inclined to overflow." So we don't glorify God by improving or His glory, but by seeing and savoring and showing His glory, which is the same as knowing and loving and showing it. Or consider the word magnify, that Christ may be, be, 
that Christ be magnified. We magnify God's glory like a telescope, not like a microscope. A microscope make, will make small things appear large. But a telescope makes the unimaginably big, puts it into perspective, helps us to see it for what it really is. Our lives are to be telescopes for the glory of God. We were created to see His glory, to be thrilled by His glory, and to live so as to help others see Him and savor Him for who and what He really is. To know, to love, to show God's glory. This is why the universe exists. Now, in the slide, uh, in what I said before was he, it was to glorify himself or to protect his glory. It's to protect his name. All throughout the scriptures, you'll see this. All throughout the scriptures, you will see where God is being addressed by his people. And Moses did this. Joshua did this. I think uh, David did this. And they would say to God, listen, God, we, we've got this problem over here. These people are coming, and they're going to destroy your people. You need to do something about it, because if they destroy your people, it will destroy your name, your reputation. See, we use the word brand, branding. Companies are branded. They work on their brand. There's entire, you can go to college and get a degree in branding. There are companies that have huge sections of the company. It's all about branding. And when they make a decision about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, it's all about branding. You see it happening right now. Our church does it too. We say, okay, now listen, if we, if we take that action right there, what's it going to do to our brand? What's it going to do to our name? What is it going to communicate about us? To others. As soon as the, the COVID thing started happening, you see these commercials come out from these different companies. And, and they're talking about how they're going to make a difference and how they're going to do something because COVID's happening. We're going to do this. Well, I guarantee you, a lot of people before they put that out said, okay, we need to create something that makes a positive brand for us. Here's a little bit more that he has to say about that. God's commitment to his name. The Lord will not forsake his people for his great name, for his great namesake, because it has, it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Clearly implied in this verse is the fact that God, that God has pleasure in his name. When he chooses a people, it says he chooses them for himself. So that when he acts to spare them, he acts for his great namesake. Therefore, benefit, therefore, beneath and behind God's delight in choosing a people, there is a deeper delight, namely the pleasure God has in his own name. What does it mean that God has pleasure in his own name? It means that God has pleasure in his own perfections, his own glory. The name of God in Scripture often means virtually the same thing as God's glories, excellent character. God's glorious, excellent character. Be it often... <clears throat> Uh, means something slightly different. The glory of God gone public or brand. 
So the name of God often refers to his reputation, his fame, his renown. This is the way we use name when we say someone is making a name for themselves. Or we may call something a name brand, a brand with a reputation. This is what I think Samuel is talking about. Okay, now, the passage that we use, I just read it earlier. I'm going to read it again. Uh, For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name. Because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. So, this brand idea, this name idea, here's something to wrestle with. When a company makes a brand or a name, they're doing it so that someone else will purchase something. When a church makes a brand, they do it so that someone else will visit and then experience something, partake of it, be a part of it. Here's the thing about God. Who's he trying to impress? People? Like in in the Old Testament, when they say, God, don't don't do this, it'll it'll destroy your name. Who's who's he trying to impress? The other people? Like with Moses, was he trying to impress the Egyptians where they'd just left from? Where he just showed already that he could destroy them? Do Do you think that God, right now, in showing his glory and and being worried about his name, who do you think he's trying to impress? The the president, some other country, some foreign nation, some huge group of people, intellectuals? Who would God be trying to impress? There's only one person he's trying to impress. It's himself. There's only one person he's trying to honor. It's himself. Why? Because he's the only one who's honorable. See, when he says, I'm going to tell the truth, and I'm always going to tell the truth, who's the standard of the person who tells the truth? God himself. See, whenever God does something to protect his name, it's himself he's trying to impress. Wait a minute, that sounds confusing. What what are you talking about? Well, if you've ever found somebody who's really good at something, I mean amazing at something, they're only trying to impress themselves. There's a video series out right now uh, that just came out about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, bar none, is the greatest basketball player that ever lived. Now, for 50% of you who love basketball, you can't hear me anymore because you don't think that's true. Don't worry. I'm just one man. Just one opinion. But you know what was true about Michael Jordan? You know what his standard was? It was no other basketball. He was not trying to be like some other basketball player. It was himself. When a great craftsman crafts something and builds something and they they go to work on it everybody else around them goes that's good enough stop man that's enough that's enough it's okay stop it's good enough he's like no 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 i'm not trying to impress any of you i'm not doing this for any of you i'm after something steve jobs was not a great man 
But he had this characteristic about technology and about computers. It's why we have Apple. Is because he was like, no, no, no. No. There's a standard we're going after. That's what he was after. That's God. Only God's is perfect. So when he loves people, it's not because of anything he finds in the person. It's because he is love. Wait a minute. Wait. I know what you were thinking. You were thinking, wait a minute, how can it be okay? How is it even good for a being to be so obsessed about their own name? That's not good. That goes against everything we've ever taught. It goes against everything we've ever heard. No, I've met people who are obsessed with their own name. And I, all those people I just mentioned, probably not people that are great husbands. Why? Because they are not love. See, they don't have the character. They don't have the character of God, the goodness of God. But God is love. And so he, when he protects his name, guess what happens? Well, it actually leads us right into the next one. So the first one, first one why has God create, created the earth? To glorify himself. Why does God love his people? To protect his own glory. What is the most glorious display of God's glory? What's the greatest, most glorious? Like, what's the top? What's the best God can do to show who he really is and, and to show his incredible name to, so you could see the brand you could see authentically who God really is. What's the best that he could do? It was on the cross. Get this. Giving his name to you. Before I read this passage, I want you to grab this pencil. This blows me away. You see... When I read about God being all into his own glory and he's obsessed with all of that, I'm like, man, that, that's, not, that's not cool, man. That's, he's just too into himself. But you see, God is love. And so he took what the way that, oh, man, I forgot to tell you one other piece. This is a really important part of it. So, when God does this, when, when he glorifies himself, he doesn't do it to change your mind about him. See, when we do branding, we do it to change people's minds. That's what advertising is. That's kind of marketing is, right? God's not marketing himself. He's not trying to change your mind about him. That's not what we've learned. What is he doing? He's revealing himself to you. And then you're responsible for what you do with that revelation. And what do we do with that revelation? We're bored with it. We ignore it. We don't want it. We rebel against it. We revile it. 
That's when he turned up his glory a thousand times. And he said, this one will do. Because I, my name is love, don't, hear, don't mishear me, love is not God, God is love. Because that's who I am, I will pay for the terrible way you responded to my revelation. I revealed myself to you, and what you did is you took and you traded in. I, you didn't think I was worth praising. You didn't think I was worth glorifying. So you set me apart, and you made your own little statue about you, and you put yourself right at the center of the world, which creates ugliness and death, just like we heard, we heard in the video, destroys lives. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay the price for what you've done. And I'm going to take this glorious name of mine, and I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to do such a miraculous thing that I am going to give you my name. You know when we pray in Jesus' name, and we do it so flippantly, so, whoa, what are we doing? We're talking about the name of God. And he would dare to give that name to you, to me. In Romans it says, we have peace with God. The person who took God's image and distorted it and adulterated it and just threw mud all over it somehow has peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. God's greatest moment is when he goes to the cross. Has nails stuck in his hands. A thorn of crowns on his head. His greatest, most glorious moment is a moment when all of mankind would say he was a loser. When all of mankind would say, what? I don't want that. There's nothing glorious there. Through whom we have also obtained an introduction by faith into this grace. Why is he doing it? He's doing it because God is love and God is full of grace. It's the most glorious thing about God. In which we stand... He invites us to stand on that grace. How could he do such a thing? We exalt in the hope of the glory of God. We look forward to the moment that we experience the glory of God. What do you mean experience the glory of God? That means that you could become an amazing truth teller. It means that you could be a man of such character that your wife wakes up every morning and goes to bed every night believing she's the most loved person in the world. Why? Because you have become loved. Because you no longer love her based on who she is and what she's done. She, she can do anything. It doesn't matter. You have become a glorious You've got, God's glory has become part of you. You've become part of it. You can love when you're not loved. <laughs> what? Yeah, you could have that kind of character. You could have the kind of character that has so much wisdom that when, when everybody else is chasing money and fortune, you're able to find joy and hope in sacrificing for others. 
That's the hope of the glory of God. It's not when all trouble goes away. It's that when in the face of trouble, you can defend the name of God. You can do what's right, no matter how much wrong is being done around you. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Why? Because we know what the purpose of tribulations are, to to make us more like God. Knowing that the tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Why doesn't hope disappoint? Why, if I hope in the glory of God, I hope in this God who's concerned about his own name, why doesn't it disappoint? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. Because God, love, isn't dependent upon me. Do you see what we just did right there? We just went from a God that seems like he's totally focused on himself. But because he is so astonishing, he's astonishingly good. He is so good that when God get what, gets what he wants, it's love. It doesn't matter how I live my life. It doesn't, I don't say that to say, oh, I can go live my life however I want. It, God is not focused on your glory. You don't have any glory. Whoa. Yeah, I don't have any glory. It is ridiculous for me to put myself at the center of the world. But the way that I move out of the center of the world is not by focusing on me and what I do not have. It's by focusing on God and what he is offering. It's focusing on God and who he is. It's glorifying God. It's taking all of the images and all the fake stuff that I worship and throwing them in the trash bin and burning them receding the astonishing glory of God. So, what do you do with it? What, what do you, what do you, how do you interact with it? What do you do with the glory of God? Well, A, number one, I want you to know this. Number one, you cannot make God more glorious. Do not think that glorifying God means I'm going to make him look better. I'm going to improve his brand. Cannot do it. Don't have the ability to do it. You have no glory to bring to the table. He is totally glorious. He cannot be improved. So what can I do with it? Well, I can ignore it and go live away from it. I can cover it up so I don't see it. I can come up with something different and replace it and move forward. Mom and dad, mom and dad, listen to me. One day your child is going to ask you, how is it fair that God would would require that people in Africa who've never heard of Jesus, how is it fair that, that they would answer to God? You know what the answer to that question is? Their parents or grandparents or great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents saw the glory of God, did not think it was worth worshiping. 
And so they communicated to their children, throw that away. And then their children's children never heard and never heard and never heard. You've probably heard of these kinds of things before, but 2007, a New York family bought a, bought a little bowl at a yard sale for $3. They took it home and they put it up on their mantle and they kept it there for free for quite a few years. It was, it was a pretty nice bowl. They later, uh, somebody decided to, 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 to see how much it was worth. Turns out that it was a famous bowl from the Ding Dynasty and it sold for $2.2 million. What are you going to do with the glory of God? Are you selling it at your garage sale? Do you have it on the mantle with no idea what it's all about? Or would you dare? Would you dare to embrace the glory of God and understand I am so amazingly secure because God is not reacting to me. He's revealing himself to me, which gives me the opportunity to react or respond to him. And so I'm going to love my wife because of the glory of God. I am going to raise my children based on the glory of God. I'm going to go to work and do my career and work in my career to accept the glory of God that I might reflect it to someone else. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your glory is amazing. It's so glorious that I... I feel silly trying to talk about it. It's so big, I can't touch it. But that, that's okay. Because I am not you. I am not the glorious one. I'm just one of the little mirrors. And I want to thank you for a glory that would give their life, give their love to someone who has trashed your glory so many times. And I want to pray for all of those that can hear me. God, continue to reveal yourself to them. Open their eyes to the power of your love, how wide and deep and long it is. Open their eyes to the things that they have replaced your glory with that they might be able to throw them away and just bask in your glory. In your name we pray.